you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, we're talking about fudging dice. When, why, and how. And do we actually do it? No. Yes. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with The Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for all things D&D related. Whether you need those lovely uh, dice-related sized objects to throw around on a table or in a rolling mat to get those wonderful numbers that let you do things in a make-believe game, or whether you need those books that actually tell you how to play that game, they've got it all, including the wonderful accessories like bags, uh, dice calendars for your holidays that are coming up, uh, and other things as well. Go and check out the link in the description below. You can have a little peruse of their goods and if you do end up adding a few things to your wish list you can use the code we speak common at checkout to get 10 percent off your entire order they ship here from the uk worldwide and they are wonderful wonderful people we're also brought to you in partnership with describe spelt d-s-c-r-y-b describe is the website that has the professional wordsmiths doing all of the hard work for you just like box text from your favorite adventure but able to be used in any game whether you're adding on to a module or homebrewing it completely they've got over eight and a half thousand scenes it's a growing collection every week and you can get to about 500 of them for free right now by following the link in the description if you like what you see describing places monsters spells magic items and more you can subscribe and get access to the growing collection you get 10 percent off each month for the first two years your subscription lasts using the code common at checkout as ever at some point we'll talk about our wonderful sponsors at some point during this episode but right now for the first time which is always exciting i get to welcome carl to the show hello my friend hello ben how's it going I am, I'm I'm okay. (laughs) I'm half half dead, but I'm all right. Um, Struck down with the flu this week, but uh, it's not COVID and uh, I am going to go to work tomorrow. So I'll I'll be okay. I'm on the mend. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm much the same, much the same kind of fighting off all the various colds that come with having children in the household. But yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How many sprogs have you got running around? I have four step boys who are between the ages six and 12. Mm-hmm. And I also have a little girl called Violet who is two and a half. Okay. So I've got so, a, a full D&D party at home, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that is the best way <laughs> you could have described it. I like it. Okay. Do they all subscribe to a certain class? Like if you had to, uh, I mean, whether they know it or not, do, do they have the characteristics of each one? There's definitely some Saki wizards in there. There's definitely a couple of barbarians. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've played with them uh, a couple of games. Um, the oldest I'm running a campaign with, but his younger brother, who's 10 now, the first session I actually ran with him, I set out a nice little puzzle in a dungeon, very traditional stuff. And his character basically went, I, I tip the fire over rather than I use the fire in the puzzle. Um, so they really tested my uh, improvisation skills as a DM when their answer to a puzzle was I hit the thing, basically. I like it. I like it. I hit yeah. the thing. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Oh, fantastic. There's there's a part of me that's like, oh, when I'm when I've got kids, they're gonna play D and D with me and we're gonna love it. And there's a part of me that knows that that's probably not gonna happen. It will be complete chaos. <laughs> if if you hook them early enough, that they are hooked. Um, there's several things that I really enjoy, and D and D is one of the few that they have latched onto with me. Um, so oh. yeah, get get them early, and then they don't know it's too nerdy to be cool. Yeah, good. Good <laughs> advice. We'll take that. There's, there's one takeaway for the episode already. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Carl, you are a member of the We Speak Common Patreon, which means you are mm-hmm. on the Discord server. Um, you're there chatting away with everyone, getting involved with the events and things. But the reason we've got you on today is because you are one of our Patreon uh, subscribers, supporters that gets to come and join us on the show. Indeed. So Indeed I am. There's, there's a few of you now, actually. We've got you... Dave and oh, who else is it? There's someone else who needs it's, to. He's, he's uh, been booked in. Goth Viking, isn't it? Oh, Liam. Yes, Liam. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get yeah. him booked in for a show too. Um, mm. So just to 
shamelessly plug if you want to come on the show it's the best way to do it join the patreon link in the description below um and <laughs> we talked about picking a picking a topic and you you suggested one that i actually kind of wanted to jump at because it's something we've we've talked about a little bit across the i don't know f- four years or however long it's been now it's come up a number of times we've never actually done an episode on it so when when do you fudge your dice rolls carl when do you do it it's it's a tricky one isn't it i mean you, you said a few episodes back on, on where i'm in the journey of we be coming that as long as the, the the players don't know um that's probably my but it's all all in um all in the name of the story for me is is when you fudge a dice roll yeah i think i think this is one of those topics that is um a part of it's going to come down to preference right there are people who don't fudge rolls there are people that will happily admit to fudging rolls there's people that me like me who will not tell you whether they fudge rolls or not um <laughs> it probably mm-hmm. means they do um <laughs> Uh, and and I think there's there's kind of like a I I feel like it's marmite I feel like it's love or hate but when you actually think about it it's gonna come down to the when and the why and that's what I want to talk about with you today because there there's as with everything in D and D the player side and the DM side of this and I think that discussion is really interesting because when you play in D and D but you also are a dm you you know what's going on like you can see stuff happening mm-hmm. behind the screen yeah. you almost have like an x-ray vision right i don't know if that's just me yeah no exactly that you got all the numbers rattling past you and you kind of see where a fight's going or an encounter's going before the players can almost mm-hmm. um so yeah and uh, I, I don't i don't know where i stand with this but i Okay, so I think, I mean, you've alluded to the fact that it's all about story with you. It's all about story mm-hmm. for me and, and my group too. Like we are playing D&D to tell a really gripping, interesting story. We're not there to swing our swords and hit things. Um, we don't mm-hmm. play it as a game. We play it as a storytelling thing that is also a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... yeah. Like the dice are the game side of that, right? It's not, it's not improv. It's not acting. There is a game to it. There are rules, there are mechanics. And I love as a D as a DM and as a player, the kind of randomness that you can get with the dice rolls. Like I like Mm -hmm. the, it's not like I'm writing a book. It's like I'm setting out a storyline and then my players are making decisions. And then we find out what happens because there's that element of randomness to it. Um, Yeah. So for me, it's like, look, I don't, I don't fudge rolls. What happens, happens. If you are making death saves, you're rolling the dice. If I'm making death saves, mm-hmm. I'm rolling the dice. If I'm rolling up stats, I'm rolling the dice. I'm not fudging my numbers. You know, if, if, a, if an enemy swings to hit and they score high enough to hit you and you're on, you know, a failed death save and it's going to kill you, they've hit you. You're going to die because that's the, that's the game side of it for me. Um, but there are times when I will ignore the dice or, or decide an outcome without rolling. And I think that's kind of what my level of fudging is rather than just okay. like rolling it and then going, oh, it was actually a 20. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I agree with pretty much everything you've just said. Um, but my most common point where I will fudge and I won't, just in case I've got a player listening, say any exact scenarios where I do this. If you're fighting a your standard sort of grunt, they've got 25 hit points, you're a level three character, um, and they manage to hit them and it's a good hit and it brings them down to one hit point. And we've been going for a couple of rounds. I might just forget that it's got one hit point left. Um, yeah. And kind of go, actually, yeah, that's dealt with. Because um, I, th- I think this is a method you use as well. I will do a lot of flavor and description to how that sword's been swung, all that, all that malarkey. But the moment they've f- failed a, a target, I hand the reins to the player. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with this guy? Um, and I'd rather not wait another five minutes just to hand it off to somebody for the sake of one hit point. 
Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, do, do you count that as fudging die? Because for me, that's like, it's, it's in the same realm of things, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. not, not following the rules as it were, because you are, you know, okay, well, it's got five hit points left and you've done four points of damage. I, I'll, I'll call it dead. Um, there has been a time before, and again, I, I'm not going to give a specific mm-hmm. example because I know I have players that listen to this. Um, and it actually kind of pains me to say it, but there are times when there's one specific fight at the end of an arc um, and it was linked to a particular character in the party and they were, the initiative order ran like monster, player A, player B, who it, whose arc it was, mm-hmm. player C, monster. And um, the monster did a big hit, player A got what would have been the killing blow and you know described it really cool like this amazing attack but i just kind of kept the monster alive one more one more turn so that the character whose arc it was got the killing blow because it meant more to them and it was more impactful for the story and it would also like you know carry on further in the campaign as this kind of thing that happened and for me as the dm i'm like great that is that's everyone loved it everyone had a great time it was impactful it, it power you know it was the right thing to do but a part of me feels a little bit dirty about doing it. It, it is a bit grimy. I, I do count it as fudging because it's like you basically said, oh, that, that roll of four was actually a roll of five or that mm. last attack was a miss, not a hit. Um, but just the narrative that you're giving to the players isn't saying that. Um, do you uh, Do you ever like, I mean, I don't, I don't tend to do it so much now because I play with the same group and I... I like to think I'm good enough at balancing encounters now that I, I don't need to, but there have been times in the past when I've got into an encounter and gone, ah, this monster needs more hit points. I'll just add an extra 50 on. Do you consider that fudging? That's a, an injury. I don't think I've ever had to do that. I've had to do it the other way before. Um, well, it's too strong. Uh, yeah. Um, just in terms of how long it's going to, like they're not obliterating characters on a, on a turn, but I'm thinking this is going to drag on a bit. Um, it was actually a false hydro I ran, so I kind of quickly knocked up some rules that the heads were all going to have independent hit points, um, and that would then have a, a cumulative effect on the main body sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's where it kind of blurs the line into balance over fudging rules, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's... It- that's the thing. It, it is, it's a grey area. It's all very grey. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're... I mean, if you're doing it to make the experience better then then it's fine like you know mm-hmm. go for it but the if you're doing it because oh the players are just having too good of a time they're just getting through everything <laughs> too too easily or i really wanted a player to die this round to be impactful like that's that's probably when it's when it's not good i mean the other side of it as well is if you're fudging roles as a player like this is something that only a dm should ever be considering doing right yeah, and that that's cheating at that point, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've never I've never fudged to a player's detriment. I've never decided that the monsters attack did hit, um, just to further the story because it'd be more dramatic. Yeah, do you um, know what? I've never done that either. There's that, that does feel unfair. Um, yeah, kind of goes I against because there have been times when, like, uh, have I? I'm trying to think. I was going to say, I think that there might have been times when they've passed, passed a, um, like a save for something <clears throat> just so that it wasn't massively anticlimactic. Yep. But I don't think I have done that. Maybe a long time ago. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Deciding that the monster passed the save instead of failing it or? Yeah. So let's say it was, let's say you've set up um maybe not the big bad evil guy i mean maybe but even so mm-hmm. like a, a big important fight you've been building up so maybe it's a dragon or something you've mm-hmm. been building up over four sessions the players walk in and they instantly polymorph the dragon because it doesn't have any legendary resistances in this hypothetical so I've, I've, not to that scale but i've done similar before but with that if i was to fudge in my favor because i wanted to do something with it for example mm. um kind of that that cliche of wanting to do a monologue and they've jumped in before I can monologue mm. I will kind of ignore what's just happened so I can still deliver that piece of narrative I want to deliver 
but then I would probably follow up and make the stuff afterwards easier um, or give the players something I probably shouldn't have given them like go oh yeah no that's fine you can do that skill check it's not in the rules here but I kind of feel like I owe you something right now so you you misbehave and then make up for it by giving them presents basically yeah okay okay I see that I can see that I think um, <laughs> go on so it's, it's generally like if I've got a, a plot key or something as like, I haven't worked out how else you're going to get this information so I'm going to ignore what you've just done to give you the information mm-hmm. um so we don't stagnate afterwards, but, but yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I think there's, it's an interesting conversation to have to talk about like where that line is, what we class as okay and what we class as not okay and who can and who can't make these decisions. Um, and then like kind of what, what the rules around those are. Mm-hmm. And I think as we get through that, we're going to end up talking about the, the, okay, here's the here's the list of reasons for why and when you should be doing this, and everything else is is don't do it. But yeah, so story based stuff, um, things that are going to go around exposition, things that are going to stop the story from going stale or, or suddenly mm-hmm. dropping off the deep end into the uncanny valley of of like, oh, it's a, it's an unstoppable false hydra, but we just killed it in one fight. Um, yeah. or, or you know one one turn things like that yeah. are okay I'm gonna cough hang on <coughs> oh god there we go um, but what about like so we've talked about hit points we've talked about save DCs and spells and things I'm trying to think of all the scenarios in which fudging comes up and so there's, there's a I've only done it once or twice and it's more of a test and a, a trial than anything um, but I've run a whole encounter before where the roll of the dice was very vague. Um, it was a in a completely homebrew setting I made. Um, the damage output of the characters was a bit lower. It was more of a, an investigation sort of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up with a, a dragon turtle kind of climbing aboard the ship they're on with a, a king merman riding this sea turtle and uh, wow. five or six other mermen climbing on it. Um, and they they had the hit points to survive it, but their damage output isn't that high in this in this these custom classes I've got. Okay. Um, so what I basically did was everyone was rolling. If it was a hit, if it was a hit for everyone on the team. Um, but the damage was if they did three or four, I was like, right, that's five points of damage. If they did eight to twelve, that's ten points of damage. Um, so I was just knocking off chunks essentially of the. Uh, the dragon turtle's health. Okay, um, it's kind of kind of like um, giving them like a, a, a pseudo, uh, uh, not resistance, not immunity, um, vulnerability. They like the dragon the dragon turtles taking extra hit points for their normal attacks. Yeah, and kind of go right. So it's just that way you're kind of jumping down. And that let me similar to like say adding that hit points um, or taking away. Let me kind of maintain the that illusion of danger. And given that dramatic finish, and it, it finished with um, one of the characters who was, he was basically the, the mouth of the party. And I don't mean that in a, in a complimentary way. He was, he was, he was the gobby one that mm-hmm. always spoke about how great he was. Um, yeah. And to, the way D&D goes, obviously the player himself couldn't roll above a five. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he basically, because he was up in the crow's nest when this all happened, and he eventually decided because his gun kept missing, he jumped onto the dragon turtle, um, took out the murking, um, and then fired a point blank shot at the dragon turtle itself. And at that point, I was like, right, it's got 20 hit points. You've just done 12. This feels like the right point to finish this fight because of how it's just played out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's probably the most I fudged in a single session where an entire encounter was more, was it a good hit, an okay hit, or a miss? There are times in encounters, though, when you kind of know that it's done. Like, you, there's a there's a, a point in every combat where the table turns and there's no going back. And if you're yeah. running an encounter that's going to be to the death rather than one where, I don't know, if you're fighting intelligent creatures that want their lives, they mm-hmm. might try and get away. 
at that point that encounter changes to that and that can be interesting but if it's if it's one that's with a beast or like with a dragon turtle that's that's going to fight to the death you can kind of gauge like okay this is done now if there's a right point to call it i could call it and it wouldn't feel bad in any way yeah because we all love rolling dice but when you spend 20 minutes rolling dice just to get to that inevitable outcome it can get a bit stale yeah no one wants their encounter to last two sessions um, no and, and it's it's happened to all of us at some point it's tedious yeah definitely. so these are like the the times of fudging what about the etiquette around it because as a dm i i've, I've said this before and sam always likes to like reiterate this back to me uh, as one of the best things i've ever said for him which uh, is nice it's probably the only thing he, he says is a good thing I've said, but um, it's, it's that I said something like, um, I don't know the exact wording and he's going to shout it at me now, but like not that <laughs> as the DM, you don't know everything and you may not have planned everything, uh, you've pl- but you, you know, you've planned enough, <coughs> oh, excuse me, but your job Sorry. is to have the players believe that everything is predetermined and pre-planned or or prepared enough to be so what i mean by that is when the players do something unexpected you don't go oh i i I wasn't ready for you to do that i don't know what happens Mm -hmm. you just kind of smile look at your notes and go okay here's what happens um yeah you know you don't have to have everything down it's all an illusion and that illusion is what gives that feeling that we love as players where we're like, oh, this is a real world. This is a sandbox. This is where I can play and make decisions and and there'll be consequences and I get to find out what those are. Because the moment your DM says, I don't don't know what's going on, that's all shattered. And it's like, oh, great. I've I've broken them. I've broken the DM. That doesn't feel good. So- Go on. So I was gonna say, like, I, I, I get the, the that buzz on the other side as well as as a DM going, they, they, they think I know what I'm doing. Oh, um, yeah. And it, like when they go, oh, so did we do what you expected? You know, not, not at all. It's like, oh, well, we couldn't tell. I was like, I had it covered. I had it covered. Um, the, um, the best encounter with a player I've ever had was with Joe, actually, who mm-hmm. long time listeners will know from the show who, you know, we, we got together after probably about a year after our campaign finished. And he said to me, I don't know how you did it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we, he was like, we fucked about. Like we, <laughs> we did everything we could. And every single session you were like, yeah, go on. You kill that villain. I've got another one for you. He's like, they're all in the shadows. Everything's prepared. And I was like, mate, that's the best compliment you could give me. He's like, every, it was like, he's like, you were prepared for absolutely everything. And in a way I was, because I like to, I like to, I'm an over-preparer, right? I prepare yep. the whole, I, that's why I make those big DM documents. And then I start a mm-hmm. campaign because then I can refer back to it and I've got stuff prepared for, like I'm running TOA now and I've got stuff prepared for the last session, which is about two years away, you know? Um, yeah. And that will change and that will adapt as the game goes on and the players make decisions and change the world. But there's something there for me. It's kind of at least half done, if not a quarter done. Um, or vice versa, at least a quarter done, if not half done. Um, and like that, that illusion isn't about how much you prepare. It's about how you play it and how you bluff and put on the facade. So, you know, when you're sat at the table and the DM just kind of smiles and is like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's see what happens. You know, I know what happens, but you don't, you know, like it's, it's not lying. It's, it's an act. It's a show. You may know what's going to happen. You may have half an idea. You may be completely bullshitting and have no idea and just, you know, riding by the seat of your pants. But if the players feel like you have control, it's going to feel amazing. And so when it comes to fudging dice and and adjusting things on the fly, I feel like that has to be a secret to the, to the extent that I won't tell players ever like, like dragon heist. I ran like four years ago. Right. I, I mean, even if I wanted to, I can't remember when I fudged, but 
I won't tell them. I won't go back and be like, oh yeah, do you remember that time you did this, this and this? Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Because that would just ruin it. And I feel like that's the etiquette. It's like, if you're going to fudge a dice roll, you don't. And the best way I can describe this is, I think it was a TikTok, of someone talking to their DM and being like, I'm a DM now and I don't know how you do it without fudging dice. And he's like, oh, every DM fudges dice. He's like, yeah, but you said you don't fudge dice. Oh, I don't fudge dice. But you just said every DM fudges dice. I'm like, yeah, they, they do. But you don't. No, but every DM lies as well. Right, so are you lying now? No, of course I'm not lying. And it just goes round and round and round. Yeah. And that's kind of how it is. Yeah, no, I completely get that. And on my, um, I first played D&D 17 years ago. It was wow. uh, 3.5, yeah. Um, it was only a couple of sessions. It was 3.5. Um, and then one of the guys that played in that campaign about 12 years ago came back to me and said, this guy at work's got all this 3.5 lit. I want to run a game. Do you want to join? So straight in there. And to this day, there's puzzles that I know he had to fluff our way out of it because we got ourselves into a hole. Um, not because he's told me, but like we, we weren't making no progress. But still to this day, I don't know what he did or what we should have done. Um, and in all the right ways, that is really bloody frustrating as a player. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you love it. It's that. So, exactly, I get that. Yeah, there's, there's, that's the curse of, of having a DM brain and having been on that side of the screen is that you, you can kind of see when things are happening. Yeah. You, you can like hear a, the cogs turning, you just can't see them. Yeah, like the veil's been lifted just ever mm. so slightly. You don't have the full story, but you've got a little bit more than the player that's never DM'd. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I get that as a, my campaign I'm running at the moment. Um, there are three relatively new guys and one guy who's been playing probably longer than I have. Um, and every now and again, I'll do something or say something and there's just a look from him. Um, You've had similar things with James, I think, with law, but for me, it's with mechanics that uh, you get a look from him. We go, I just got to keep a straight face here because he's already working out what I'm saying and doing, but I can't give away that he knows. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love that. I love that stuff mm. when you you have that connection with someone else at the table and you're like, oh, and sometimes it's another player like mm. who, who knows a bit of law or or knows a, knows something's happening or works yeah. it out before anyone else, and and you're aware of like with with James. We DM in the same world, so our campaigns are affecting each other. Um, and so when a new character comes in, we kind of both get consulted. Um, mm-hmm. So I know bits of the characters in the game that I'm a player in. I know bits of their backstory that my player doesn't. My character doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when stuff happens, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. But I have that to was kind of like... Thing. Yeah, I have to like not react because I don't want the players to know how much I know about them because I don't want to ruin mm-hmm. their... They, they know I know stuff because mm. they talk to me and James as like two DMs and then yeah. they go off and have an even deeper conversation with James for his... because mm-hmm. it's his game that he's running. Um, So I just like share a little side eye with him and he's like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the one. Yeah. And that's... It's great. It's great stuff. Um, But it, again, it comes down to that kind of etiquette of like not revealing that keeping that secret and that illusion yeah for sure mm. for sure so fudging dice there's one i want to throw to you that i know i do at a table um and my players know i do it they just don't know when i do it and i want to know if you think it's fudging um, okay rolling a d20 just for sake of rolling a d20 when they're in the middle of something um, uh, maybe make a little note on the paper okay yeah so I don't do this um, I, just because I roll enough dice in a session anyway, that mm-hmm. it, it like, especially with the game I'm running right now. <clears throat> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think if mm-hmm. there are players, like let's say the characters are in a dungeon and they're stuck reading hieroglyphs on a wall, there isn't mm-hmm. really anything. And you want to... Yep. Get, remind them that you know they're in a hostile environment you roll a die and see how they react um, yeah what i do do which i guess is kind of adjacent to this is um with toa there's lots of random encounters and so they'll roll to see if they encounter anything 
and they have to get like a 16 or above. And then they roll a D100 to see what they're encountering. And then okay. sometimes they have to roll another dice on top of that. So like maybe it's, oh, you, they encounter a pack of 2D6 wolves. And I'll say, oh, Wes, seeing as you've rolled this encounter, do you want to roll 2D6 for me as well? And he'll roll it and everyone will be like, oh no, that's how many, that's how many wolves we're going to fight. That's how many enemies there's going to be. Mm-hmm. And other times, and like, I won't say anything. I'll just be like, ha ha ha. But other times it's like rolling on a treasure table to see what treasure they're going to find. So I just won't correct right. them. I'll just let them, I'll let them sit yep. on it and worry because I think that tension is, is close delicious. to the tension the characters would be feeling. Oh yeah, of course yeah. it's delicious. Like, yeah. I love making them squirm. <laughs> but yeah so it's it's not um i don't think it's fudging i think for me fudging is purely when you're changing the outcome yeah that's yeah that's kind of where i would say you're fudging if you're just rolling dice for the sake of it to try and like give a feeling then go Mm -hmm. for it i I think if you do it too much it's going to lose its power but go for it definitely yeah, no, it's, it's, it's almost like that situation you mentioned. They're stuck on something really irrelevant in the dungeon. And you go, I've got loads of cool shit for you planned. Let's let's move forward. And you <laughs> give it give it a roll. Um, so you don't break their illusion, but they you add that tension. Yeah. Mm. So do you you mentioned at the start, do you always roll um roll for your stats then? No, not always. And actually mm. we used to be uh very fond of the point by system. That used mm-hmm. to be our go-to method. Uh, it's only in the past couple of years that everyone has decided to roll instead. And I think that's because we, as a group, and I, I mean, I'm, spe- I'm saying the royal we, I'm speaking for myself really, mm-hmm. but and I think this is why my players do it too, is that there's, there's that fun in that random aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it, it adds a level of characterization. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could almost call point by a bit of a fudge. Because you've decided where those numbers want to land. But it's, it's got the boundaries to it, hasn't it? So Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I think point by is good if you're new to the game. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, you know, 46 take away the lowest is the best method if you are not a casual player, but somebody who's been playing for a long time. If you want to get real spicy, you just roll 3d6. Mm-hmm. You take yeah, what you give us. Uh, if you want to get I extra use, spicy, is roll three d six, and the order that they come up is the order yeah. of the yeah. I've never had the bravery to do that one. Um, what I got my players to do this campaign um, was we rolled the dice collectively. Um, so we just round the table. Everyone rolled four d six, drop lowest, um, wrote the number down as a team. So we built an array, and everyone used the same array, but it was a rolled array. Oh, uh, okay. So you, what, you came up with six attribute numbers and then everyone got to put them where they wanted? Yeah. So you get That's the randomness cool. that rolling works, but everyone's balanced in theory. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So you, you've all got the same stats. You just put them in different, different, yeah. um, you've yeah, all got the same you, numbers. You can get some big disparity stats. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I kind of like that though, I think. Mm. But then like, I like, I play a campaign where I, I use a lot of random tables and a lot of random outcomes because I like the, the improv side of it. I like to, mm-hmm. it puts me on my toes as a DM to make whatever comes up fit into the story and work. And um, the players in that have always said that it feels pre-planned. And I'm like, well, that means I'm doing <laughs> a good job. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But I wouldn't do that in it's it's funny i i I was gonna say my main campaign my main game i have my big game that's been going on for like two years now which i would consider my main game and then i have other games that are happening in the same world that just happen as and when so i suppose my prime game as it were i probably wouldn't do that there i prefer to be more more planned and thought out for the story side of things um but yeah but talking of of attributes and scores and things and and rolling dice you gotta have pretty dice carl that was a poor that was a really poor transition i i, I saw it coming but i do, I do want to say i'm ill you can't you've got to let me off look yeah i'll, when, I'll give you this one 
when you're this ill, there's only one thing that will make you feel better, and that is looking at pretty maths rocks, okay? Yes. Can't argue with that. And where else would you get them but the Dice Dungeon? Uh, the the one-stop shop for all things Dungeons & Dragons, but most particularly of it all, D&D dice sets, uh, including metal, resin, glass, uh, crystal, I think, as well. There's so many different <laughs> sets of dice on the Dice Dungeon website, and uh, I have the absolute honour of owning uh, a very, very small collection of them. And they really I keep do. looking at the... Um... The, uh, I think it's the one you really like, the Shadowfell Plain Shard ones. Ah, uh, they are my favourite. I, I still use, they're the, they're the dice I use each session. Um, yeah. I have a lot of dice, as, as you do. And I have, I think, four or five sets of Dice Dungeon dice. And those are the ones that I use every single session. And actually, um, I think it's James has the, he has one of the sister sets, the mm-hmm. not the Shadowfell ones. I can't remember which one he has, but his do this really nice thing where if he puts them, like if he turns the, the torch on his phone and sits the dice on top, oh my God, they look gorgeous. You shine a light through them. Amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, they really are wonderful. And if you are in need of a new set of dice or, you know, Christmas is coming up, if you celebrate it, the holiday season is here. Go and have a look. Link in the description below at what they've got going on. Of course, there's other things on the website too, like the D&D 5e books. For example, you can now pre-order the new upcoming Dragonlance setting book, which will be ever so good in a limited edition cover as well, if that's your jam. Uh, uh, And of course, look at all the dice. Um, Look at all the dice, all the bags, all the dice trays, all of the stuff, and maybe treat yourself to a holiday countdown calendar uh, with, with, with dice in it. That's the... That's how it all works. I actually really want to get myself one of those. I'm not going to have an advent calendar uh, this year because I'm an adult. Yeah, but uh, I might get myself the dice one. I hadn't seen that. You've just given me something to do after this call. So oh, oh Carl, <laughs> you will. Uh, I mean, your your kids will be very jealous. <clears throat> get them all chocolate ones. You have the dice one, and say, hey, when you're the DM, you can have a dice advent calendar, <laughs> and uh, and then. They'll all want to be the DM, and you'll get to be a player. It's it's, it's a foolproof plan. Oh, don't don't make these promises to me, Ben. Being a player is, um, <laughs> is yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long, long, long wish of mine. We all, we all suffer with uh, forever DMing, don't we? Well, a lot of mm. us do. Yeah. Um, so you can head to the description below. Dice Dungeon are there. Have a look, and of course, use the code We Speak Common at checkout. You'll get ten percent off your entire order. Uh, we're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D S C R Y B. And if you are if you are fudging dice because you know you have particular outcomes that you need to to get, you know, out on the table for your players, you might be writing your own box text. Why do that? Why bother when you can have professional creative writers doing the hard work for you and writing wonderful box text that you can use in any game whether it's of your own creation or you're running a module and adding some bits on they've got scenes of monsters magic items spells locations there's stuff you can read out as a player in combat there's stuff you can read out as a dm there's songs that you can sing at the table if you're a bard and just loads more eight and a half thousand scenes plus on the website right now 500 of them you can look at right now for free if you follow the link in the description below and then, of course, if you like what you see and you want access to everything, you can use the code COMMON at checkout to get 10% off your monthly subscription for the first two years. They are uh, honestly going to level up your game probably more than anything else out there right now. I genuinely use these guys this morning as well. Oh, um, what scene? What scene? I can't remember the exact wording from it, but the, um, the Bloody Baron side quest I'm trying to write... Uh, um, yes. I needed something to introduce the the adventuring party as they're walking through this swamp. It's like, ah, oh, how am I going to describe a swamp and make it really cool? Just to go and grab that hook. Um, had a quick quick search and describe, and oh look, they've got the description of walking through a swamp during the day. Um, and it of really set that kind of bleak kind of um Velen from The Witcher Three sort of tone. It, it was exactly what I needed. I challenge anyone listening to this podcast to go to that website and search for a scene and show me that it comes up with nothing. Yeah. I guarantee whatever you are thinking of, it will be there written for you on that website. You might not have access to it. It might be one of the ones hidden behind a subscription, but it'll be there. Mm. Guarantee it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very tempted to invest in them as well after that was my first time using them. I won't lie. 
but they, they didn't let me down. So yeah, they're good guys. Good guys doing, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so we've talked about what we consider fudging and, and you know, when and where we do it. Let's talk about the, the actual kind of parameters of when you should be doing this and, and what that looks like. So for me, I think there are, I think for me, I want some guidelines. Like here are your bullet points of when and where you can fudge dice. Um, yeah. I think it always has to be for the fun and for the players. That's yeah, kind no, of my first say, one. They've got to enjoy the fudge, which is a weird sentence, but yeah. <laughs> enjoy the fudge. <laughs> I like that. I like that. No one wants bad fudge. No one wants fudge that's no. gone off. Exactly. Um, it's kind of self-explanatory. So for the players, it's got to benefit them. It can't just be like, and by that, I mean like, oh, giving, making the monster succeed so that they fail in their, their polymorph. Okay. It doesn't feel like it's for them, but is it for them in the sense that the monster surviving and having a fight rather than just going down immediately, will that make them have more fun? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, fudge. Um, I think it has to, it has to be, few and far between i don't think you can do like you shouldn't be doing this every session no um no definitely not there's yeah there's a time and a place for it and if your goblins die boohoo get over it you're a dm if your big bad evil guy gets immediately turned into a worm and then dropped from 900 feet in the sky maybe there's something that stops him from taking full damage i don't know i don't i don't know that's a weird scenario. It has happened to me though. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's a time when you can, you can think about fudging something. It's um, finding that line is, I find that really tricky because in the moment I've had it where I gone, I could fudge this. Um, they, they literally ran past a, uh, uh, like a mini boss I'd put in front of them. Um, and it was like, oh, fuck, you saw the door behind him. I thought you'd pay attention to the bad guy. And you've all just pegged it through the door and it's too big to get through the door. Um, do, do I fudge this? Um, what I ended up doing was going, no, no, that, that they, they deserve that. Um, so they just had to deal with him later on when they weren't expecting it sort of thing. Mm. But it is in, in the moment, it can be tricky as to, is this the right point? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those, you, you get better at it the more you do it, I think. Yeah. Um, what else? So for the players, few and far between, maybe, uh, what am I, what am I guiding? Those are two really key ones, but that's, that doesn't, that's definitely not it. There's definitely more. I think it also has to be for you as a DM. Um, kind of going back to that, just taking out the big bad guy as much as it's for the players to get something out of the encounter. You're a player as well as a DM. You should be enjoying this. And if you've put a lot of time and effort into into a bad guy that you want to demonstrate some cool features, um, mm. sometimes that could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's As long it, that's, as you're not just going to stomp on the players. That's a great point, actually. And it's one that I've, I've found myself saying quite a lot. Like, you know, you're a player in the game too, even though you're running mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I like that. So yeah, something for you as well as for them. Maybe yeah. one of mine would be, uh, it, it's got to be secret and it has to stay secret. You can't ever tell or let slip that you fudged a dice roll. Yes, no, definitely all about that illusion. Um, it's, it's got to move things forward rather than slow things down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Um, I guess there are some that would feel like it's slowing down, like if a creature stays alive to fight. Uh, but if it's, if it's an important fight that has to happen, then that's moving the story forward because there'll be story beats in that combat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Here's an interesting one then. How do you feel about the difference between like when and when you shouldn't roll dice in the open? Because... <clears throat> it's one that comes up is like sometimes you roll a die in the open for the dramatic effect, but I would never actually roll a really, really important dice out in the open. Like if I ever thought, Oh, I might want to be able to fudge this. 
it's not gonna it's not gonna roll out in the open yeah i i don't tend to roll out in the open not as a conscious choice but i, I roll behind my screen if something's going to be a public role i'll get the players to roll it um that's actually that's how i do it too mm. I like um, and even then, uh, I quite often ask my players if they want their death saves to be public or not. Because um, if they want me to, I'll roll that behind the screen. I won't tell them the result, but I won't, I, I won't fudge those. They're too important to fudge. How does that work then? Because, like, I get the... Um, do you tell the player whose death saves it is what they're on? Or do you just not? Like, how do you communicate that if you're rolling the death saves? I give nothing away um, other than narratively. Like, obviously, if they roll, uh, if I roll a 20 on their death save, I tell them they kind of suddenly take a deep breath and they seem to come awake, but they don't know how close to death they are at the table. If they want that, it's not something I force on them. Yeah. What do you prefer as a DM? I like the added tension and strategy doing it behind the screen gives them. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, if you've got the cleric on the other side of the field and he doesn't know whether the ranger's got three um, fails left or two, that adds another weight to their decision-making. Um, I get that. Because it's, I get that. But again, I don't force the players to, to let me roll. It is in their hands there. I think yeah. I've, I've never done it that way, but I, like, I could see the... I could see the benefit of a player rolling their death saves, but away from the rest of the players so that they can then mm-hmm. like narrate instead of being like, Oh, I've got two fails and a success. They can be like, Oh, his breathing quickens and slows down a bit. Yeah. He's like bleeding out on the floor. Um, I think if I was doing it as a DM or if I was a player and the DM was doing the death saves, I'd feel like I had no power. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and like I was just kind of there. Like I guess when you're dying, you are kind of just sat there doing nothing. But at, at least when your turn comes around, you're making a death save. Like you're rolling a you die. Can do that for, yeah. Um. There, but then I suppose like I get, I think it's just preference because if you're rolling them out in the open, everyone knows the situation, and it's like everyone be quiet and watch the die hit the table and roll. Mm-hmm. Um. But then I it's guess it's got its own type of tension, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just preference. They both they're both kind of high high dramatic scenarios. Um, I like to give the player a death scene though. Like if they're unconscious on the floor during a fight, they have a they mm-hmm. they witness something. The players don't witness anything. The other characters don't witness anything because the player's dying. But they have that kind of like going into the light moment. Or okay. if you're if you're playing to annihilation, they they see a Serac's face and then get absorbed by the Soulmonger, which is horrifying. <laughs> a lot of fun for me though. Yeah, I, I really want to play Tomb for that high stakes stuff to it because I've not well barely played, but it's a I know it's a bit of a meat grinder. Yeah, we're using meat grinder rules as well, so you have to mm. get a fifteen or higher to succeed on a death save. <sighs> um. Yeah, it's it's intense, but I I love it. I'm addicted to it. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I I think it's a great fun way to play D and D. I think actually that leaves another rule. If you implement a rule like like the meat grinder fifteen, you can't fudge at that point because you've committed to the difficulty of the role. Yeah, and I think with death saves as well, it's kind of like you should never be like maybe that's a rule. You never fudge a death save. Yeah. Like if you've got to that point, you you're in it. You just gotta let let the dice land mm-hmm. where they do. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. The, the f- go on. I would say the fudging should come before the death save if that's what you want to happen. Mm. Like, oh, I didn't do quite enough to knock you down here. If you're concerned about losing a player or a character, rather. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's an interesting one because I, as a DM, I'll like the players go up against a dragon. I bring dragons up because we fought one recently, but mm-hmm. um, the dragon does a breath attack and I roll damage and then I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's 68 points of damage. Mm. And I will look at my player and go, what's your current HP? <laughs> like, what's, what's your max yeah. HP? And they, that scares them. And there's a moment of like, 
uh it's in the 60s and if they if they give me a straight answer of oh i'm on 61 hit points Hmm. i will then make a decision of either okay it's done 60 hit points or okay you've taken 68 points you're down yeah um and that's when i choose to fudge so if a player says if a player doesn't want me to fudge anything they have to be like uh like a round path like if they don't give me a number i can't fudge uh which is which is great because then they take the power out of my hands um and i can't be nice which uh, you know sometimes i don't want to be nice but i can't help it because i'm a nice person sometimes (laughs) having just played a a one shot with, with dave um he's not nice in that stuff either he is he's relentless with dishing out the damage it's um it's funny it's enjoyable because, in a weird way. you know, as a player, I've always said, let, let the, let, let it all fall where it falls. Don't, don't be nice to me. Yeah. If it's going to happen, let it happen. But then as a DM, I'm also like, hmm, this is a thing I could do if I needed to. Not that I do. I don't ever fudge anything. I always play the, the game exactly as yeah, you yeah, want to play it. Yeah. This is all hypothetical. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just talking about how we would feel about it and when we would do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it all comes down to that illusion again, doesn't it? Because as a player, I don't want the DM to be nice to me as much as I love my characters. If they're going to die, they're going to die. Yeah. But as a DM, yeah. And I mean, I've killed a lot of characters in my time, (laughs) a lot of them recently, um, you know, and I've been in that situation where a player's said to me like if you kill my character i'm actually gonna cry and i'm like hey it's not it's not me i'm not choosing you know i've always said to players look your characters can die it will happen at some point um yeah i am not responsible for the situations you put yourselves in and that is the only way i feel better about it because (laughs) and and I've, i've had this conversation i think with ray on an episode where when a character dies in a situation, in a combat, at the end of that session, you kind of just have to let the player go and get over it before you talk to them again. Like you have to, because as much as it's not your fault mm-hmm. as the DM, you, you're, the, you're the one that, that did it. You pulled the trigger, so yeah. to speak. Uh, yeah. especially it really resonates with me as a parent. Um, mm. when you had to break bad news or or take something away from a kid, and you go, mm. "This isn't me doing this. I might be the one in control here." But yeah, and like I say, you got to let them process that anyway, and then come back to you later. Yeah, and like you can't say to a player, "Well, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't have put yourself in front of that that demon lord." And yeah, and as much as it's true, and you can say it to them five days later when they've got over it great but if you say it to them at the end of the session where their beloved characters just died then you're just a dick yeah no i, I agree yeah i don't know how we got there we, we went off the rails a bit there oh, death saves i think it, it's, it's a <laughs> yeah but to, to to round us back in and to kind of i suppose put a nice cherry on top of of should you lie and be a be a, an evil person and break the rules of the game that we all play. Uh, yes, in the right scenario, um, you know. I think if you're, it, it's one of those things. And tell me if you agree, Carl. But you're going to get better at it the more you do it. And that's the making the decision on the fly that's best for the group, best for the game, works mechanically, and doesn't break anything. The more you make yeah, those no, decisions. Completely the better you get at them. Um, and this is one of those where it's like, am I considering doing this for the right reason? Is it going to break the game? Will it be obvious? Will my players get something from it? If all of those have the right answers, which are, you know, I'm considering doing it for the right reasons. It's not going to break the game. My players aren't going to know it's happened and it, they're going to benefit from it. Then Great. Go ahead. Yeah. Do it, it. It is another one of those things. It's all part of that improvisation, isn't it? It might not be a decision a character's made you have to improvise. It might be that roll of the dice. But it's mm. like, right, how do I keep this moving in the right direction for everyone at the table? Yeah. And, and limit yourself as well. If you fudged the dice last session, don't fudge on this one. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay. I like this. And, and I think it's a good conversation to have. It's an interesting conversation to have. But I would like to stipulate yet again on the record that, of course, we never do this. Nope. Every single dice I roll uh, is uh, exactly what comes out of my mouth. <clears throat> I could roll all of my dice in the open. I just don't for tension and for the story. It just gets messy on the table with all the minis and stuff everywhere. So honestly, you guys, I don't. I, I'm not sure you guys actually know how to read my dice. They're special DM <laughs> dice. You don't understand what the numbers mean. So you know, it's all arbitrary anyway. I'll just do it in secret, and you just have to trust me because I never lie. Yeah. Tell me, what's the point of having this DM screen if you can't use it? Exactly. <laughs> Carl, thank you for joining me. Um, this has been the closest thing to a, philosoph- a, a philosophical D&D conversation as I think we've had on this podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm honoured. No, thank you for having me, Ben. Um, are, you, are you anywhere on the internet where people can come and talk to you and chill out with you? Is there, is there a place that you hang out these days? The place I tend to hang out is just a, a little server on Discord, really. Um, oh, really? God, tell us about goes, it. Goes by the name of We Speak Common. Um, Never heard of I it. don't think you even need to pay money these days to join it. But if you do pay the money and become a patron, there's lots of um, enjoyable little corners with lots of lovely people on it. And I'm you even get sure to come there, and build an episode too. Exactly. Which has been a, it's been a great experience. Cheers for this, Ben. Um, I don't know if you can hear them, but someone liked your debut on the podcast so much that they're now setting fireworks off outside of my flat. So I, I, they're actually I pretty could, good as well, to be, be fair. They're, they're quite, they're, they're actually quite good. They, <laughs> they sound very them. loud. Oh, mate, you should have heard it yesterday. It was like bloody World War Three out there. I, I literally, I came yeah. off of, uh, I've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare because I've been sick, mm-hmm. basically just reverted into being a teenager and um, feeling sorry for myself. I turned the game off, sat down at my desk to play a D&D session. Could be a play, you can be sick and be a player. Don't DM mm-hmm. when you're ill, it's not a good idea. Yeah. And uh, it was literally like I was still in, in COD. <laughs> I, honestly, I, was, it was, I can understand why um expats and people who suffer with ptsd are, are triggered. triggered by it because it honestly sounded like the video game yeah well i live right on the mouth of the tyne um so i've got them all around my area of the neighborhood but also over the tyne and because you've got that big expanse of open water it is just loud and echoey um we i was late to this because we just come back from a show actually we went and watched them from across the river oh lovely i went up to the um i've got a little roof terrace at my flat no, when it's still the roof. I know, I know. Fuck. I mean, when you run, when you run a very successful D and D podcast, you basically made it in the world. Um, You've earned it, yeah. I that, that was a joke, Carl. Don't don't encourage that. <laughs> but what was nice is that I could uh, literally look in any direction and see mm-hmm. at least three fireworks displays all at once because of where I am in the city. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and like the common room on the server, not have to pay a penny to do it. And look at that. He's brought it back round. Yes, if you want to come and hang out with us, join the We Speak Common Discord server. There's a link in the description below. You don't have to pay a penny to get in there. You can be a commoner. You're welcome. But if you do want to support the show and the network, the best way to do it is to become a Patreon supporter. There's a link to that in the description too. And by doing that, you get access to the entirety of the server. That's places like the main hall, other than just, you know, the common room, the, uh, the episode discussions, the topic suggestions, behind the scenes, Places for things like, you know, Critical Role that we all watch and talk about or House of the Dragon. That's one that's been popping off recently. We've got homebrew sharing. We've got encounter building, character creation and events that we plan too. Uh, So if you want to come and join us, follow the links below. Uh, If Discord isn't your thing, the other place you can find us is on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook or at We Speak Common and at We Speak Common Pod. Uh, Carl, it has been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure we will see you around these parts again sometime soon. Lovely. Thank you, Ben and you. See you later, buddy. Cheers, bye. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network and the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. 
You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. We'll be right back. 